What is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. Nessa Barrett, welcome to Call Her Daddy. Thank you. So everyone probably knows you from TikTok. And I feel like sometimes when people pop off on the internet, there's this whole thing of like, Wait, where did this person come from? Who are they? What are they about? Wait, like, what is their life story? So can you give us like your elevator pitch of like who you are? So I'm from New Jersey, very small town. Um, I've changed schools quite a bit. I've played soccer all my life. I've also been, you know, doing music all my life because my dad um, was heavily into music. I always grew up with a studio in my house. And I ended up getting uh, like around like eight concussions I had suffered from like pretty bad brain injuries and um, I had to completely stop sports like altogether. And I was like a pretty like athletic person growing up and I soccer was my life. Like when I would get punished, like my parents would like ground me from going to practice like it was and I'd freak out. Um, And so as soon as I stopped doing that, I had to find something else. Um, And I started posting on social media and then I'm here. Here we are. (laughs) This episode is presented by Sparkling Ice. Turn up summer with Sparkling Ice. They have over 17 anything but subtle flavors, all made with zero sugar and packed with vitamins and antioxidants. Iced tea and lemonade, strawberry watermelon, tropical punch, peach nectarine. Yum. Crank up the flavor. Sparkling Ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Daddy Gang. I get that there are some things you don't want to share, but bottling everything up inside can truly have some awful consequences. I remember growing up, I guess, honestly, the the truth is I was getting bullied and I was like so embarrassed to tell my family that because at home I was fine, but at school it was tough for me. And I just remember feeling so awful about myself and I kept it to myself and I dealt with it by myself. And it literally just caused truly maybe like a decade of trauma. And later in life, now that I've processed it, I'm like, damn, I would have been so much better off if I had just talked to someone about it. It didn't even have to be my parents. Talking helps a lot. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. I have had such an incredible relationship and experience with therapy. I was so ready to get better and to better myself and understand myself more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists whenever you need to for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash daddy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash daddy. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. Do you ever find yourself looking at your full wardrobe, but still feeling like you got nothing to wear. Well, gather around, Daddy Gang, Saks.com. You're going to find instant inspiration for that date night, for that impromptu vacation, okay? Maybe you need a new dress because one of your friends is getting married soon, okay? So if you're looking for a new style or want to build a better relationship with your closet, then head to Saks.com to shop for everything on your agenda. 
when you became popular on TikTok, how did it feel to have so much attention so quickly? Oh my God, I love it. I mean, I'm a Leo, so I love attention. Um, and I feel, felt like I never really got that growing up in uh, my entire life. That was kind of something that I chased, whether it was like, you know, wanting friendships. I just wanted people to like me. And so the second that I, for once, wasn't just, like, a loner-like kid and, like, people kind of, like, were interested in me, um, it it was a really good feeling. How, though, did the kids at school treat you? Everyone in my school, um, or most of my friends, had the app before I did. And they, um, I was told, you know, to download it, and I made a video during school And I just remember, like, going to, like, biology class and going to the bathroom to check my phone after. And I was like, whoa, these are famous people following me, one. And then I just, my notifications were, like, insane. I, like, blew up, like, during school. And everyone thought it was so cool at first. But then when it got to a certain degree, it was, like, uh, I was, like, an outcast because of it. And I, I would, like, walk into class and, like, they would take pictures of me from Google and make them, like, all of, like, the home screens on, like, the computer. And then teachers would, um, you know, use, like, my name and, like, my salary as, like, anecdotes for, like, math problems. And, like, it, it was, yeah, and it was, like, a, a weird stuff. And, like, having, like, freshmen, like, kids, like, come up to me and ask for pictures. It's, like, it was a lot. And I just remember, like, I I hate school. I hated school. And the only way I was going to college was for soccer. And when that was out of the picture, I was, like, no, I'm going to college. And then when this happened, it was, like, I begged and cried to just be homeschooled. Would you confide in anyone about that? It's, like, hard to explain because I'm, like, the type of person that I get so embarrassed with what I go through that I don't really want to talk about it. And I try to just, like, hold in everything and just, like, deal with it myself. And I also feel like no one gives a shit about, like, me or, like, what I'm going through. And that's just how, like, I have a very big, like, victim complex, like. And so I just, like, would just, like, take it and then cry about it, like, alone. Um, and like, I occasionally, you know, I'd talk about it with like my really close friends, but it, it was just really weird for me because I like the year before that too, like I was like, uh, I felt like I was already became an outcast in my school and like in high school, like I, I was new, I was the new kid as a freshman, like no one's ever seen me before I moved to a different town and I left my previous school because I, you know, I felt like I didn't belong there and I was kind of um like you know alone and like outcasted and Mm -hmm. so I moved to a different high school and I was like everyone like loves like the new kids you know at first and then I yeah sophomore year is like downhill you mentioned that you kind of had this like music studio in your house that your dad had put together and he kind of had aspirations in the industry like did he give you any advice of like what to do, how to handle moving forward, and, like, how to kind of craft your career? Me and my dad have, um, we don't have, like, the best relationship. Mm -hmm. I'll always love him because he is my father, you know, and I, like, plan on working on our relationship in the future. You made a big decision to move to LA at one point. Can you talk about when and why you decided to leave New Jersey and go to LA? 
Yeah. Um, so it was during the pandemic and everything was just like it, everything was on lockdown. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was, you know, I was going to um, the studio when I would go to L.A. and I was visiting L.A. like quite often. Like there was a point where I would go to public school uh, like Monday to Friday and I had like senior option which is where I had enough credits to just like leave at like 11 Mm -hmm. and I would leave at 11 go right to the airport fly to LA and then come back Sunday or Monday and then do school the rest of the week and I couldn't stay locked in my house in New Jersey not doing anything that I you know created already and started and um And, like, school was just, you know, online anyway. So I bought a plane ticket when I was 17 at 1 a.m. That was – I had to leave for at 4 a.m. And my parents knew that I was going to run away, so they took all of my suitcases. And I packed everything up in, like, old school bags and my old soccer bags and, like, duffel bags that I had and got an Uber and left. Were you scared? terrified terrified the worst was that I had a connecting flight and so they had no idea and I'm like I'm taking I'm on my first flight and I'm thinking oh I got away with it I land on my connecting flight and I phone blown up where am I all this stuff like they're tracking my flight they know where I am like cops are coming to get me like they're not gonna and I'm like what the heck so I'm just like like playing like I don't know I was like trying to be like undercover like at like the the airport like freaking out my anxiety was so bad and um yeah I just hopped on the next flight and I just kept going you're what 17 years old Mm -hmm. who did you stay with did you have any friends in LA like no yeah uh so I was visiting LA uh a lot before I ended up running away and so uh I had a boyfriend at the time and I stayed you know um at their house and I just went straight there because that's where I was like staying before um and so like I I knew like a few people there Mm -hmm. and I had a place and in my my mindset at the time was like anything other than being home is better for me you know it's like I would have done anything to get out of that situation and then you never went back so you were dating Josh Richards, who is also a TikTok star. What was your relationship like? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like because of social media, we developed a very serious relationship for, like, it was too serious for how young we were. And, um... I mean, like, he was a part of Sway at the time, too. And, I mean, like, those boys, like, they were blowing up. Like, that was, like, their prime when we started dating. So, it, you know, like, them being, like, 17, 18, you know, blowing up, living in L.A., like, in a house of their own. It's like a frat house of, like, social media. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, resist some things. And... I wouldn't say that this is the truth, but how I felt at the time was that a lot of the good parts of our relationship was simply for views and content and um, that stuff. And it got like really hard for me to process because I'm, you know, I, I fall for people like heavy and I get very attached. And so seeing things a certain way was kind of just like, 
I couldn't understand it. Everything you see is not always what it's it actually is. No, yeah, exactly. And like I I'm though like you know two about two years ago like I made a drastic change with my persona online and how I um, let people um, see me because you know my the very beginning of me being online I was doing whatever I could to be the person that everyone wanted me to be and to be liked and I faked almost everything like I wasn't being real I wasn't myself I it was just yeah can you talk a little bit more about that like what give us an example of like what you would be faking I mean for one like my style and you know my attitude I have struggled with mental health so much and I am a pretty sad person but I've I in the beginning like I developed such a bubbly character that was almost like you know like uh, like I don't care like I'm just happy and like giggly and like it was it was just not me and then over time I just like kind of like allowed myself to be like that person that like everyone could like make fun of. How did you try to maintain any type of autonomy over who you really were versus what was going on on the internet that you were posting? Um yeah I mean like I just struggled a lot with my identity at that point and I feel like the second I actually started you know making music and like writing my music it really helped me like understand how like who I was you know and um that's when I just stopped caring like I'm just gonna do uh what I want to do and I'm gonna be myself because I mean it's like the best thing to do at this point last year all of the drama unfolded between what seemed like two TikTok couples there was you and Josh and Mads and Jaden and you were all friends until you weren't and it kind of all blew up. Yeah. What happened? Um, see, this is this is just like a very like sticky situation to talk about because I feel like there's like multiple sides to every story. And it was just, you know, we were all living in a house together. Um, and I felt like separately we each were going through problems in our relationship. And... Um, me and, you know, like, yeah, me and Jin were really good friends, and we started um, doing Lottie Die, and that's when, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, like, they started, like, falling for each other when they did Lottie Die, and I'm like, no. You know, like, that, it wasn't, ha- like, that's not, like, what happened. Um, it was, like, after. Uh, like, the song was already made, and everything was already done. It was, like, after. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, we were struggling uh, with, in our relationships uh, separately. And um, there was a lot of tension in the house too because, um, you know, certain people didn't really get get along. And Josh at the time, like before we broke up, um, he was just so busy with work. And I was like heavily like starting my music career. And um, so there was just a point, we decided to break up too because I was struggling a lot mentally. And I've just realized that, like, hey, like, we started dating when we were really young. And we're both just not the same people as when we started. And I just felt like we had a lot of different interests, you know. Um, And it got to a point where sometimes you just realize that you're more comfortable than, you know, in love Mm -hmm. at the moment. I don't know. We broke up and then stuff just started happening and... 
it wasn't like anything like sneaky. Really, um, I felt like I just let my heart kind of just like take control and I knew that it was like really bad timing and like not the best situation and I just know how it looked and it should have looked that way because it, I didn't make a poor decision um, but like I don't regret anything um, and also to like which I don't want to use any like it's it's I don't want to sound like I'm like making up excuses for myself but like with my like mental health stuff um and with bpd there's uh, a thing called favorite person and like we can get into that like more in depth but your brain basically like unwillingly attaches itself to someone and when that happens like that's all you can think about and you'll do anything to make that person happy and they become your life and identity at that point and um, it turns romantic because it's so hard to identify the difference between that you know when you when you're so in love with someone it's like they become your favorite person but with BPD it's like different and um, I think because me and Jane were spending so much time with each other with music and all that stuff and we were really close friends and um, I you know wasn't with Josh anymore and even when I was it's like he was gone most of the time. We didn't really spend that much time together. Um, my brain attached itself to Jaden in that way. And so that's when I was like, I'd do anything at that moment to make it make it work. But then, you know, social media got into play and then the whole drama started and it created it something that it probably wasn't going to be. Like we started dating like, after, like it, it became serious and an actual thing like, after everything broke out on the internet because it we felt like we had to the night that everything kind of like broke out was the day that um our performance we performed on Ellen it was like a headline that like oh we announced that we're dating like we made it official and I was like what the heck I you know like I'm not gonna lie like I was being like very selfish and I obviously felt a certain way but I feel like everyone can say at certain points that like what people say online is not going to affect them but and even if you don't want it to and you don't let it subconsciously it's going to be in your head you know and it's going to do something and um I'm just very thankful that uh I got to deal with that situation with someone Mm -hmm. by my side um because it you know I've dealt with a scandal similar to that and I was completely alone dealing with it so it was different and um I felt like a blessing and a curse to you know go through it with Jaden um but it was really hard I just didn't want to really talk about the situation because I was one kind of embarrassed but two also like very angry at the way that everything played out and it it was just something that like made me really upset because at the time I just thought that I was doing something that would make me happy but then I had the whole world you know calling me a slut and telling me that I'm a backstabbing bitch and like all this stuff and I'm like a a homie hopper and like a homewrecker and all this stuff and um it was just very frustrating to me because I was like there's so many aspects of the entire thing that no one knows about um 
I think it also helps clarify again like we said like everyone has different perspectives and I appreciate you just kind of speaking from your perspective because I think again a lot of people are just going to respect how gracefully and respectfully you handled the situation and you continue to handle the situation I feel bad more than anything and I've realized that I just was really selfish again I appreciate you just like being honest and taking ownership and you and Jaden kind of just become in this huge relationship that becomes larger than life which had already happened to you once with Josh of like everyone wanting to watch everything you're doing on the internet and then it ends Mm -hmm. what happened we honestly got to experience such amazing things together I mean like I performed at Lollapalooza with him and like we did everything and I was like you know uh I was on tour with him for a little bit when uh he was on tour with MGK and um you know, again, like, I wouldn't regret it, um, and we've had a lot of great moments that I would cherish forever, and, um, again, it was just, everyone already had something to say about it, and us, and, um, and as much as, you know, we wanted to not let things affect us, it did, and, um, during our relationship, too, like, we both really struggled mentally, And we also were kind of like, because of how it started, I felt like we always felt like we were outcasted from like everyone, you know, and it was just kind of like an us against the world type thing. And um, that got hard when we both were struggling so much personally. And there was just a lot of things that we I felt like we both needed to work on before jumping into another relationship which we did way too fast and um it got really tricky and our mental health just got the the both of us and um it it you know um we just had a lot of growing to do and I felt like there was also the pressure of us like all the drama like we felt like we had to make it last there is speculation that he cheated. Is that true? Um, I, I wouldn't. Okay, not physically. Okay. As far as I don't think, um, and I don't blame him for anything because at the time when things started happening, I wasn't the best person in a relationship because I was struggling so much um and I know how it feels to you know want attention from other people when you're not getting it by the person that you're with and um you know there's just a few things that I wasn't too happy about and that made me very insecure yeah yeah This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Something that really grinds my gears is 
I somehow will find myself just subscribing to things, right? And then all of a sudden, I see I have been paying this subscription service and I don't even use it because I just forgot to cancel it. Rocket Money can help you cancel a subscription that would otherwise be more time consuming and also you probably forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see anything I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash daddy. That's rocketmoney.com slash daddy. Rocketmoney.com slash daddy. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daddy gang, what are your plans for the summer? I want to probably sign up for a couple excursions with mats, really put myself out there, do something I don't usually do. But when you want something, you got to just go for it. And that applies when you're hiring for your business. ZipRecruiter can help you snag the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And luckily, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash daddy. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. So amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter, Daddy Gang, and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash daddy to try it for free right now. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash daddy. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Two years ago, I became pregnant with a baby I desperately wanted. During a routine ultrasound, I learned that the fetus would have a fatal condition and never survive. I had to flee my own state to receive treatment. I think Donald Trump bears an incredible amount of responsibility for these restrictive laws We need leaders that will protect our rights, and that's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. When and why did you begin to struggle with your mental health? Um, Yeah, so I uh, started going to therapy uh, when I was six. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety, and... um, I think that there were some signs that my parents picked up on that they were like, whoa, (laughs) like, I don't know why she's freaking out. Like I would get um, like attached to like certain things and like freak out if I didn't have like, you know, them on me or like I didn't have them around. And then uh, I think I had to go on a plane for the first time. And my reaction to that was just a telltale sign that I needed to go get treatment so um yeah so I started going therapy when I was six and doing family therapy as well because there was um you know custody battles and stuff like that my parents were never together um but um for the beginning of my life they tried living together and then that caused a lot of stress for me um which like living at home was just hard for me um and when I was 14, which was like 
I was, yeah, it was, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I had, um, and it was shortly after I got my last concussion, um, I spiraled. And I guess the, the trauma that my brain had just exacerbated all of my uh, mental health and everything just went terrible. I developed um, really bad ADHD and I couldn't go to school because I uh, couldn't read like more than two sentences without vomiting. Um, I had to go to like ocular and vestibular therapy to learn how to like, you know, run or like balance on one foot and like, you know, catch balls and um, like how to track my eyes because they were so, it was like really bad. And um, because of my ADHD, you know, getting really bad because of my um, brain injury, I um, struggled a lot mentally and that's when I had my first actual suicide attempt and I was hospitalized. Uh, for it so that was like pretty rough did your family find you or how did they find out um yeah I um I I overdosed on a medication that I was prescribed to aid my concussion you know and like the pain that came with it and my migraines and all that stuff and um, I was at my dad's house at the time and I think he was like making dinner and I was upstairs in my room and he kept calling me down for dinner and I guess I wasn't answering and um I don't remember much um all I remember was going in the bathroom and I had like an old like glass cup that was like empty in my room and I was just like you know what like fuck it like I'm gonna do it now I was very impulsive very impulsive because of my ADHD and I was so deeply depressed. And I've always dealt with, like, you know, having such intense and, like, deep, like, feelings where I would just, like, I was so depressed and, like, I would, like, cry and I couldn't stop crying and I'd get, like, so mad and angry and, like, mean. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. And when it got worse because of my concussions, like, I felt like I was insane and that there was no getting better and I was done and I felt like I was a burden, like, to my family and, you know, I I caused, like, so much pain because of how I was mentally and so I went to a bathroom and filled it up with sink water and I just, yeah, I, I overdosed and I just remember while it was, like, kicking in, I sat down and I wrote everyone notes um, and I think I just, like, passed out on the floor and my dad found me and just like carried my limp body and called 911 and I just remember he like there was a hospital that was like so close to the house and I was like like in and out of like consciousness and like I just remember his voice echoing you know um I didn't really know what was going on and um he was like on the phone with the ambulance like freaking out and like asking how fast that they could come and all this stuff and he was like you know I'm just gonna drive I'm just gonna put her in my car and just like drive to um the nearest hospital and they were like telling him not to do it and so he was like trying to drive to meet them closer because they wouldn't come and I just remember them like dragging me out of his car just to put me in the back seat and then I remember vividly remember like my mom like yelling at me while the ambulance doors was closing while I'm on like the stretcher and I just like woke up in the hospital but I think the scariest 
um, and like most traumatizing thing for me was my little brother witnessing it and him just like, you know, crying. And I felt like I just like scarred him for life, almost seeing that and him just being like, is Sissy okay? Like what's wrong with Sissy? Like freaking out. And it's, yeah. How did you and your whole family like begin to try to just help you recover and try to move forward with life? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I think that my parents were more, like, mad at me than anything, which was very hard for me to deal with because I'm, like, I was just, like, in so much pain, you know? Like, how – and I think that, like, I just wanted, like – I think that was a moment where I just, like, I just wanted to be loved the most um, and supported. And I've thought about – death and suicide since I was like 10 and so you know being in hospital and not knowing like I was too young to know like what actually like what happened and what would happen and I um I was getting my blood work done like all the time like all throughout the night like I was like on IVs and all this stuff I had like nurses and like officers I would like I was on suicide watch you know I couldn't pee without people following me. I couldn't do anything. Um, and it, it it sucked. And then I thought that, like, once I got better, I could go home. And I was, all I wanted was to go home. So did you end up having to go away? Yeah. Uh, they put me on a stretcher, I think, like, three days later when a bed opened up um, out of place. And I arrived at a psych ward. I was obviously in the pediatric, you know, because I was 14. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, kids around my age. And uh, I was very shy and timid and scared and embarrassed. And I didn't want to talk to anyone. Like, I don't want to, like, open up to anyone. Like, when they would have group, it's like, no way I'm sharing, like, my story or, like, why I'm here, anything like that. And then I learned that there is a point system and you have to in order to get out. And I was on level one. And you got to be on level four to even get considered to leave. And, um, yeah. And that was scary, too, because my parents also placed me on phone protocol. So you don't have phones. And phone protocol is when you can't even use the pay phone to call anyone. You don't get calls. You can't. So I was completely, like, isolated and alone, like, in that spot. And it was, tra- it was traumatizing. But then as soon as I got comfortable in there um, and, like, started making friends, like, it was, it was, like, fun. And then you start feeling like, you know, I felt like I belonged, you know, for the first time. If you could, like, say something to that 14-year-old girl now where you're at, like, what would you say to yourself? Oh, my God. That, thank God she was in there because, I, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um yeah and I just I just felt so like hopeless at that point because I couldn't really see like a future after getting out of there at 18 you got a diagnosis for borderline personality disorder can you explain what that means um yeah so borderline personality disorder is very tricky and it's different for everyone that has it because it's basically a self-taught disorder that is developed from childhood trauma and um, it's not like a chemical imbalance, um, which I have other, you know, my anxiety and like depression, all that stuff that is. But this isn't because it's just 
habits and almost like defense mechanisms that you've developed from trauma um, growing up. And it just adapts your entire personality. And um, there's a lot of things that come into play with like, you know, very harsh mood swings and then, you know, um, you get very intense like manic and manic episodes and um, identity um, problems like with self-identity and, um, you know, uh, abandonment issues and it's the list can go on, but it is such the one of the most like painful mental health illnesses because of how intense and severe um, your emotions become when you have it. So say like whenever I feel any sort of sadness, all my brain kind of shuts off all the signals for any other emotion and I am unable to process or remember what happiness feels like or that happiness is an emotion at all. So all I feel is sad and all I can ever feel is sadness and that there's no escaping it. And it's like, you just, it hurts. Like it, it's like you're, it's so painful mentally that it starts to physically hurt and you, you can't really control anything. Um, and that's why where I struggle the most because it makes you act out in ways that, you know, isn't you. And you really have to learn how to become very self-aware in order to help yourself. How did you feel when you got the diagnosis? Relieved. Um, my mom always thought I had it. Um, but I was previously misdiagnosed with bipolar and I was like... Mm yeah, okay, maybe, because, like, you know, it ran ran in my family. Um, But I would, like, look it up and, like, research. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this doesn't make sense because it's, like, not me. And so when I was diagnosed with BPD, it made a lot of sense. When you said your mom always thought you had it, would she say that to you? Like, how did that affect you? Yeah, and I also knew that she would um, bring it up when I would get, like, evaluations and you know all this stuff and I just remember people being like we can't diagnose her with that because she's under 18 um and when I was diagnosed she told me like I knew it yeah too um but um yeah at first it makes you feel like something's wrong with you but I've just kind of learned to that like at least I I know what's wrong yeah when you talked about the trauma that you endured Can you clarify what you were talking about? Um, I just dealt with a lot of hard um, things growing up. Um, And um, it's just hard for me to talk about it because I don't really want to, like, throw anyone under the bus, you know? But um, I just... I had a really rough childhood and... um, I've, you know, it it was just really hard for me. But, like, even, like, when I got older, too, I started, I got, you know, trauma from, you know, people that weren't just, like, in my family. Like, when it came to, like, boys and, like, I feel like almost every girl now deals with, like, sexual trauma because people fucking suck. Um, But I just went through a lot of fucking shit. 
um, that I don't know if I'm, I'll ever be, like, comfortable opening up about it, um, because, like, right now I'm trying to, especially in therapy, I'm trying to learn how to detach myself from it and learn that it doesn't really, you know, make, it's not a part of me and it doesn't make me who I am, um, and I'm also trying to learn how to forgive, so, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate that. I think so many women, it's like, it's an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. And we talked about social media and obviously with your mental health, like has anyone ever suggested that you step away from social to preserve your well-being? Oh my God, yes. I've gone on a lot of breaks. Um, the problem is, is that like I'm a teenage girl and I don't want to get off social media and I also care too much about what people say. And so even though I know it's going to hurt me from reading comments online and scrolling as, until I find a negative one, because that's mm-hmm. what I do for some reason, I'll just keep scrolling until I see a hate comment yeah. and then I'll keep scrolling until I see more. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I... I don't know I just have a a problem and you know my team suggests it all the time and even like my friends and I know it's best for me but I feel like sometimes I'll freak out more if I don't know what's being said about me so it's just it's a hard thing in June of this year you lost your close friend and fellow TikTok star Cooper Noriega he lost his life first of all I just want to say I'm so sorry in what ways has losing your best friend affected your life? Um, I feel like this was just something that I couldn't really ever comprehend. And, um, you know, I feel like I don't really, I'm, I don't really have like close family. I'm not that close with my family and I, I'm just like alone out here and like all I really had was Cooper and he was like a brother to me and my um my best friend ever like I twin flame like I believe that you have like multiple soulmates in your life and I feel like he was like my platonic soulmate like 100% like me um as you know a boy and um I never had anyone understand me the way that he did so this kid struggled, you know, just as much as I did, maybe even more, and I knew that, and I felt like as long as I knew him, it was an ongoing battle to keep him here, um, and to make sure that he was safe, and, uh, drug addiction is just something that's so scary, um, and I, you know, I felt like everyone just did as much as they could, but I never thought that this day would, um, that day would ever come, and I was, you know, it, it just sucked because I just like remember like waking up with, like from a text from him that day and um I didn't want to believe it like I couldn't I I, I lost myself like I it I lost myself um completely like I I was destroyed um because there was never a thought in my brain that I would ever have to live a single day without him, you know? I never thought that there would be a day where I didn't even text him, you know, or not see him. Um, And up until that point, too, like, we were spending every day with each other. Like, 
so, um, and then I think, like, you know, it just got really hard, and it was just, like, a very big, like, tragic thing for everyone, very unexpected, I think, you know, we all knew that he was struggling a lot more than before, but I didn't ever think that he would, you know, leave. I haven't really, like, told anyone this, um, but, like, we openly talked about, you know, how much we struggled here on this earth in our mental health so much, you know. We both, like, when we were, you know, suicidal or, you know, struggled with anything like that, it was, like, each other that, like, we would, like, you know, have to, like, make us like feel like we need to be here and we were like this and so it's like if one of us was going out like we were going out together that's just like that's how it was in my head right. and so when he was gone it's just like I don't know how I could like live um it's very hard how has the grieving process been for you I mean like for the first like week I didn't wasn't on my phone my phone was shut off it was like you know kind of like mute at some points um dying like on suicide watch it was terrible um grieving is such a crazy thing and I you know I I dealt with the you know losing people in my life but never the closest or the only person that I had um and it's just something that you can't really fathom until you're in it. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was struggling so much already because I just went through, like, a breakup. And so it was just, like, it, it was just really weird for me. It felt like my entire life just, like, flipped upside down. And I was just, like, it, it, I was just, like, falling apart. Um, and I just was, I was grieving and trying to deal with all my emotions um alone because that's the only way I knew how to and I didn't really want to talk about it with anyone because it made it more real to me um and it was just like really hard for me to like just open up about so I was dealing with it alone and at the same time too like my best friend Sabrina I was just trying to be strong for her and strong for you know his family and like everyone that I was just dealing with everything yeah. by myself and it ate me alive and that's why yeah I ended up getting admitted actually into mental hospital and the first one since I've um been in like since like when I was 14 so yeah. it's pretty scary did you go into the treatment center because of everything and that happened with Cooper yeah um I um I just broke I lost control fully um and um I had um a suicide attempt I was taking Xanax for my anxiety and to like fly and like, all that stuff so I was on that and um when you take an excessive amount of that which I never had before um it it just like turns you into someone that you're not and uh I just I I just like went into my car, I think, and um, I don't remember anything, but from what I was told, I was planning on driving off of a cliff. 
while I overdosed. And um, I think as soon as I started backing out, Brie and Sabrina just like pulled up, like, like right by my car and they got me to get out and all that stuff. And, uh, and yeah, like the next day, I uh, just like, I think, opened up and was like kind of like vulnerable and honest for the first time. And I just like cried and I was like, I'm so scared. And um, we just called the ambulance and um, I got help. And thank God you're here. Again, it's kind of like you've become so open that I feel like you've completely knocked all the shame away from just talking about these things that people would look at someone and maybe think a different way even a couple years ago. What are you doing to try to find a reason to live right now it puts you in a perspective that's so interesting because you just realize how much you've taken for granted the fresh air and walking on the ground is just so and being outside is just so like comforting and like amazing that I you know I was excited that I got you know, second chance, and I just convinced myself, and especially after Cooper, like, I've just gotten, like, I've developed so much, like, faith, and I've become religious out of nowhere, um, that I was just like, God must want me here for a reason, you know, um, I was like, there's no way that, like, I'm just not gone yet, so I, you know, I have to do something, and I just also realized that, like, I just have such strong sympathy for everyone that struggles mentally and goes through hard times that like I don't want to leave at all because I want to be here in order to like make an impact for those struggling and I feel like um I still have just like so much to do and I I want to live for Cooper and um you know I just see life so differently now and I feel like now And the first time in forever, I've been open to, like, taking, getting help seriously. And I've just, like, gone through waves where I, you know, I I hit rock bottom and then I get help. And then as soon as I start feeling good again, like, I stop because I think I'm fine. Um, But it's, like, not true. And I just realized it's all about, like, maintenance and, like, the upkeep and that, like, I just have to continue going. And so, yeah, and I've also been, like, so anti-med that like now I'm like on a mood stabilizer which is like I feel like it's working that's like another thing I commend you for there's so much stigma around medication and I think like you just saying like everyone it's almost like therapy it's like Mm -hmm. you can't be told to do something unless until you're ready to do it and yeah I also think I would just like to say that you said you know maybe you can help people I feel like you're really doing that through your music and I think it's really cool that you are talking about mental health and I am so excited for your album to come out because I am a huge fan of your music talk to me about your album the process the songs like tell me everything yeah my album's called Young Forever and I haven't really been religious but Cooper has really helped me you know find God and like or anything like that but at the time 
and it's just like it's it's weird after that it's you know about like you know heaven like there's a lot of like things that come into play um with faith and like religion with my album but at the time it was like I was living in hell when I wrote my album that I fantasized about heaven so much that that's what it was about and now like with you know it's just like really weird and I like wrote die first um about such such a special song for me and at the time it was like about um my mom and Cooper um but it never out like like I never like publicly said that it was about Cooper because I didn't want to think about it but the people closest around me knew and um Cooper knew do you think you're gonna ever be able to perform it yeah I mean I have to soon and I'm gonna make it a special moment because it has to be you know um but I can't really imagine me performing it without like choking up and like bawling my eyes out but also at this point it's like if you're a fan of my music and you're a fan of me and you're there it's like what else do you expect (laughs) that's what I feel like you can be rest assured that every single person wherever you're singing is gonna help you sing it because they're gonna know the significance of that song and who it's for and that is so fucking powerful how do you feel about being this like new rising artist and having all this exciting success around your talent right now um it's very surreal for me I feel like I have like really bad imposter syndrome so I almost sometimes like detach like um me as like Nessa you know like from Nessa and it I I don't know I'm just like I get so overwhelmed with the amount of love and support but also it's like I it's like I couldn't really care less if like you know one person listens to my song or like one million you know so it's like as long as like there's one person out there that relates um but it's just so in unreal to think about and I'm just like really excited because this is like my dream you know I can't thank you enough for coming on Nessa I've had the pleasure of listening to your music and watching you on social media but I can genuinely say sitting down with you you are such a unique kind soul and it's really cool to get to sit with you because I truly know you're going to do so many incredible things and I I can't wait to see it because you deserve to be here and you should be here. And I hope you are, you are loved by so many people. So thank you for coming on call her daddy. Thank you so much. This is so amazing. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. One zero dollar delivery fees. Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable, laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. Dash Pass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy Gang. So get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with Dash Pass and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today.